Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares. Any catastrophic sin, it's possible. If you don't in your life carefully, daily focus on the small sins, develop a loathing hatred for hypocrisy, and if you don't cling to God's Word. seen something and thought, I'd never do that. Well, today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares reminds us that we're only a few bad choices away from doing things we never thought possible. We're beginning a series called Unlikely Sins, and we're in 1 Samuel chapter 28, where Saul is seeking direction before he goes into battle. The prophet Samuel has died, and Saul's petitions to God are unanswered. So Saul did something he never thought he'd do. Well, here's Pastor Mike with more. like us to learn from a man who in 1 Samuel chapter 28 crossed a line that I can guarantee you he never expected that he would cross. Cashing in everything that he had stood for, contradicting in every way the virtues that he claimed to follow and the tenets of principles of scripture that he had hoped to uphold by his life. Drop your eyes down to verse number seven and watch him cross the threshold of a sin he never thought he would do. The text says in verse seven, you can imagine, then Saul, the king of God's chosen, holy, set apart, sanctified people, he says to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. Do you see what a huge contradiction this is? Oh, weren't you the guy that legislated against this? Weren't you the man who saw in God's law how reprehensible and how terribly detestable this kind of thing was in God's eyes, that you banned everyone who participated in it? That you carried out, in reality, the death penalty against people who were proven to be mediums and spiritists? You want us to do what now, King Saul? Find you one? Why? You want to kill her? No, I want to inquire of her because I'm desperate. God isn't answering me. I didn't sweat the small stuff, so I'm ready to commit a huge act of hypocrisy, and I'm about to do something. I'm sure when I legislated against it, I never thought I'd do. Take a good look at yourself in context of that sin. If you find yourself like Saul under the cover of night with disguises and, and hidden agendas and, and secretive drives to that place, secret participations in those things, and perhaps you are being, as Saul was, a huge hypocrite, allowing, living with, content with being a contradiction. When in reality, if you and I are going to avoid the big sins, you and I need to at every level loathe hypocrisy. We need to hate it. It's the second thing on your outline. If we'd see the distance between what we say we stand for and what we're about to do, perhaps we could say, I I'm not going there. I can't picture myself in that setting. I can't see myself, someone standing for truth, violating and cashing in everything to do that. And yet here was Saul, the one who slammed his scepter down on the table and said, no more mediums, no more witches in this land. 
stepping into a place with dark lights and curtains and an old lady who says, you give me some money, I'll call up a spirit for you. And he says, fine. I don't know what your temptation is. I hope it's not spiritism. But I don't want to pass that by so quickly because perhaps you're tempted in that area. But perhaps some level of hypocrisy in your life is displayed in that you claim to be a follower of Christ and stand on the Word of God, and the Bible is full of prohibitions in this area, but you toy with it a little bit. Yeah, you read your horoscope a few times. So, you know, it's just fun. It's all over our culture. We see it in our evangelical funerals, don't we? Pastor gets up, talks about how, oh, your loved one will be with us and guide us and still we'll have, the, you know, you'll never leave us. We'll always have some connection. No, you won't. Well, you have a memory, perhaps. But there's no crossing this barrier. God has set up a parameter. Death separates. As a matter of fact, one of the popular televangelists said, if you go to the graves of departed spiritual leaders, the leaders of the charismatic movement that have died and gone on before us, if you go to their graves, you will have some special anointing come from their grave, they call it, that may heal your arthritis or your backaches or your sicknesses. And he encourages this and talks about how in his life he's edified by being there in the, in, amongst the dead, the Christian dead. And the church yawns their way through it. We add it to our funeral services. If we're desperate after someone dies in our family, who knows, we might pull in to El Camino Real and talk to the spiritists there on PCH and Dana Point. They're all over the place. I pass them every day. The church needs to recognize that is a level of compromise that cannot be overstated. Deuteronomy 18, reject the mediums and spiritists and those who consult the dead. They are detestable to me, Deuteronomy 18 says. Leviticus chapter 19 couldn't be any clearer. It says, do not turn to mediums or spiritists or seek them out. They have defiled the land. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 20 verse 6, I will set my face against the person who turns to mediums or spiritists to prostitute themselves by following them. I will cut those people off. Leviticus 20 verse 27, a man or woman who is a medium or a spiritist among you must be put to death. You are to stone them. Their blood will be upon their own head. And yet we dabble in horoscopes. We allow our pastors to talk about how our deceased loved ones will still be with us. We play around with things that God has said, don't touch. You need to loathe hypocrisy, whether it's in the area of sexual sin, spiritism, materialism, dishonesty, compromise, whatever it is. Saul crossed one he should not have crossed. Desperate to be in touch with a source of information, God said, don't go there. Now, why does God say that? It may come as a shock to you, being pastor and all, but he says that because they're shysters. <laughs> they're crooks. They can't contact the dead because there's a barrier up. They're playing with your head. They want your money. Don't mess with them. Plus, they dabble with an area that I've completely told you to avoid. We don't focus on death. When people cross that barrier, we don't go after it. It separates and we live with that. Look at the next verse. <laughs> this is great. Verse 12. Context, remember, verse 11. Who should I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel. 
You can picture it now, right? She's there at a little desk. Samuel, okay, well, I get a lot of requests for him, fine. Uh, spiritual leader Israel, know that guy, okay, great. Ready? <clears throat> okay, close the curtains, get the candle, okay, pull over here, you ready? Put your hands on the table. We're, we're in contact, Samuel. Sure, you don't want your grandmother or anything? No, you, Samuel, you sure? Okay, ready? Here we go. You got cash, right? Okay, great, put it right there, all right. Look at verse number 12. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice, Ah! Now listen. You go into a spiritist and ask them to conjure up your dead grandfather. No one's going to be more surprised. If she shows up or he shows up, than the spiritist. You're gonna get a scream out of them. Ah, she says. And she knows I'm not dealing with your normal soldier in the Israeli army. She says in verse 12, why have you deceived me? Your soul, here's Samuel, I don't believe it. What kind of contradiction is this? I thought you said that these laws are established by God, they're not broken. Step off the balcony, you're gonna to fall to the earth. Walk out on the, on the ocean, you're gonna to, you're to have to swim because you, buoyancy laws are, Dead people die, you don't contact those people. Those people don't contact you. Those are barriers that God said, what's this all about? It's called a miracle. And mediums and spiritists can't do it. God did it. Just like God stepped out of a boat and walked on a lake. It doesn't happen very often. And when it does, it happens by the specific, clear permission and instruction of God. And when one of these rules is broken, if it's legitimately broken, and it's not often broken, and people who want to make the church of Jesus Christ, people that always experience the broken laws of God, don't understand that God set up laws to be established. Gravity has a purpose. When, when germs in your blood make you sick, this is the laws of how God has set up the physical universe. He doesn't often break them. When he does, though, it's always with a very specific reason in the context of a miraculous event. It's not the norm. It never has been the norm. Stretch out church history. The miraculous is simply happening in a few little rashes on the timeline. Don't let people sell you a bill of goods that the supernatural is the norm. It's not the norm. But here in this passage, it happens, and Samuel shows up. And the king said to her, oh, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. What do you see? Verse 13. Woman said, I see a spirit coming out of the ground. You can just imagine the height and tension in the room. She's never seen this before, right? She's just a shyster like the rest of them. She sees a spirit now. She's freaking out. Saul says, what does he look like? Well, he's an old man, he's got gray hair, he's got a lot of wrinkles, he's got a robe on. That's the guy. Saul knew it was Samuel. He bows down, prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Samuel says to Saul, why have you disturbed me? <laughs> what are you doing bugging me? Now, if you know anything about the afterlife and the teaching of the afterlife in the Bible, you go to one of two places, a place of comfort and joy or a place of torment. You got two choices, that's it. Samuel, everything we know about him, he's obviously in a place of comfort. He's getting called back to this raunchy earth, sitting here having to talk to a king who's panicked. Well, I'm in great distress, verse 15 says. And Samuel's not happy to be there. Saul says, the Philistines are fighting against me and God has turned away from me. He no longer answers me either by prophets or dreams, so I've called on you. Oh, help me. What should I do? 
Samuel says, why do you consult me now that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done, notice the tense of this verb, he's done what he, past tense, predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. I told you that. That's what's happening. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, remember that? <laughs> the Lord has done to you has done this to you today. The Lord will hand over Israel and you to the Philistines. For tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. What does that mean? You're going to be dead. You're talking to a dead guy. And you're going to be dead. <laughs> and tomorrow, your sons will be with me, and you will be, and the Lord will hand over the armies of Israel to the Philistines. Immediately, Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone. He hadn't eaten anything all day or all night. <laughs> The great thing about this passage is it is so consistent with the rest of Scripture. You go dabbling in areas to get information through your subjective, esoteric, spiritual means. If it ever was to happen, and it did at one point in history, do you know what that person is going to say? Do you know what Saul is going to hear from Samuel's mouth? I already told you what you need to know. I've already told you this. Remember Amalekites blew it, compromised sin, consequence, you no longer king, got another guy named David, he's going to be king. Okay, I'm out of here. Please don't bother me again. Psh, right? God sends Samuel to talk to Saul and tell him what I've told you is enough. What more can he say? He's already said it. You remember the parable of Luke 16, don't you? Jesus was talking about two guys. One was rich. Not a follower of Yahweh, not trusting in God for forgiveness. Poor beggar at the gate named Lazarus, trusting in God for forgiveness and mercy. They both die. The rich man goes to a place of torment. Lazarus goes to a place of comfort and blessing. He's hanging out, called the bosom of Abraham. That just means he's hanging out, sitting down. That was the ancient Near Eastern custom to lay at a table very low to the ground. He's hanging out, talking with the leader of faith. He's called the Father of faith, right? He is the leader and the founder of Judaism, Abraham, the father of faith. They're hanging out, being comforted. He's having a fine time. And in this parable, Jesus said, across this way, here is the rich man in agony saying, oh, please send Lazarus over here to dip his finger in water and come over and touch on my tongue. I need a little relief. And Abraham says, with the authority of God in the parable of Christ, uh-uh. No one crosses from here to there or there to here because the chasm has been fixed. God has set the rules. No one crosses that. And then he says this. Well, if I can't get any relief, I love my brothers and they're still alive. Could you send Lazarus back to tell them and warn them so that they would repent and not come to this terrible place of torment? Well, those barriers are set too. Not just this way, this way too. Oh, no, 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 he's not going back. <laughs> Lazarus wouldn't volunteer for the job anyway, but he ain't going back because there's a barrier set up here. And even if God did this huge miracle by sending him back, he said it wouldn't do any good because Abraham said this, your brothers have Moses and the prophets. What does that mean? Moses has been a long time dead. The prophets have been dead. They left something behind. Through the inspiration of God's spirit, left this book behind. And Jesus in this parable puts the words in the mouth of Abraham saying, this is enough. 
And he objects and he says, no, 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 no. If, if Lazarus would come back from the dead and they would see a dead man raised to life, then they would repent. And Abraham says in the parable, no. If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets now, even if a guy comes back from the dead, they ain't going to listen to this. It is so consistent in the scripture. This is enough. And in the church, there are trends. And in our heart, there may be a pull or a draw to some esoteric, some subjective, some fancy, neat, curious source of information. And God says, right here. It's right here. Turn to a passage, if you would, with me. Isaiah chapter 8. The prophet Isaiah says this great little statement. Isaiah chapter 8. Worth looking at. Motif is the same. Mediums and spiritists. But if you have an NIV, I like the way they translated this. This little Hebraic phrase you'll see here. It's just powerful. Start in verse 19. Context, God's word. The law, the testimony. I've given you the word of God. I am your God. I've given you my testimony among the people. All this is in the context. And then in verse 19, it says, When men tell you to consult mediums or spiritists who whisper and mutter, you know, those guys. Here's his response. Should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Well, okay, well then we'll pass up speaking with the dead or the prophets or, you know, the founders of religious movements. We'll just, we'll just have visions of God every day. Look at the next verse. If you have an NIV, there should be an exclamation point behind this. They translated this little phrase, well, to the law and to the testimony. There's the end of that verse. To the law and to the, to the Torah and to the writings. What, what is he saying? You want information, you want direction, you want fulfillment, you want something. Don't seek these weird subjective experiences or consult mediums or spiritists. Forget all that. To the law, to the writings, it's all there. Let me say this, whatever your temptation is to cross a line you never thought you'd cross, you and I need to cling to this book. Three on your outline if you're taking notes. Cling to the Bible, because the Bible is clear, it's all here. Everything you need to live life and to be godly and to be the person God wants you to be, it is right here. You don't need any more information. Too simplistic, it's not too simplistic. It is the answer, David says, it's like honey to my lips. It's better than gold. Psalm 119, he says, verse 97, he says, oh, I love your law, how I long to meditate on it day and night. Why? Because he knows right here there are answers for everything we're dealing with. And you and I need to cling to the Bible. You want to stay out of the ditches? You want to never do that sin you never thought you'd commit? What are your disciplines in getting this book into your life? What are your disciplines of getting this book into your life? Do you meditate on it? Do you memorize it? Do you study it? Do you read it? Is it part of your daily disciplines? You find time to brush your teeth every day, don't you? Where's that time come from? We all have time, right? To put some food in our mouth. We all do that. I mean, several times a day, most of us. This book will keep us out of trouble. It is the answers to the thirsts, the desires, and the longings in our lives. We just need to be committed to getting it in, cling to it, thirst for it, long for it. 24 hours from the time 
Saul consulted that medium, he was dead. Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 10 makes it clear that the timing of his death was related to consulting the medium. The aftermath and the effect and the terrible consequences of his sin was that he was dead and not only him, his two children. There are huge consequences for violating God's standards and when you and I cross a line we shouldn't cross, watch out. Some of us know some of you know, especially the time graduation rolls around, we watch our kids go off to college. Scary, isn't it? I can only imagine. I watched my mom cry a river of tears, right, when Mikey left home. And I know the concern of parents is, will they make it? Will they do the right thing? Will they stay out of trouble? Oh, when they're in my home, I had some governing and guidance and some pull in their life and now they're flying off to Minnesota or Chicago or New York or Atlanta. They're going to go to school and I can't control. I just, it's fearful. Jesus left John 17. He prayed for us. Not only those that he was praying specifically about, but those who had believed through the testimony of their word. So he had us in mind. And he said, sanctify them, set them apart, keep them safe. I can't take them out of the world, and I don't ask that they be taken out of the world. It's a dangerous place, but keep them, sanctify them, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And when we're successful, if a year from now all of us are still walking faithfully with Christ, and we haven't cashed in our integrity through sins that are unthinkable to us now, if we are all walking with Christ, I know we'll bring great joy to God. John, verse 4, just let me quote it for you. John says, knowing the pain of watching people bail out, he simply said this, I have no greater joy than this, to see my children walking in the truth. Would you bring joy to God's heart by today making a commitment to safeguard your life? Because any catastrophic sin, it's possible. If you don't in your life carefully, daily focus on the small sins, develop a loathing hatred for hypocrisy, and if you don't cling to God's word, you turn those around, you sweat the small stuff. If in your life you loathe hypocrisy, and if you would be in God's word daily, eating it up and finding your sustenance there, you and I can safeguard our lives and we won't end up like Saul. And perhaps we can die at the end of our lives, never crossing those huge lines. I pray that'd be a reality for us. It would bring great joy to God's heart. Yes. May we eat God's Word and find our sustenance there. You're listening to Pastor Mike Fabares and Focal Point. Our series is called Unlikely Sins. Now, if you missed any portion of this two-part series based on 1 Samuel chapter 28, make sure to listen online when you visit focalpointradio.org. You can also download the message on your favorite podcasting app or stream it using the Focal Point app. Now, speaking of eating scripture, this is the perfect opportunity for me to tell you about this month's featured resource. It's a book called How to Eat Your Bible, written by Pastor Nate Pickowitz. If you're feeling distant from God, could it be that you're ignoring His Word? But maybe you don't know where to start. How to Eat Your Bible will help you cultivate an appetite for lifelong study of Scripture. It offers practical guidance for overcoming the hurdles that prevent you from making Bible study a regular part of your life. We'll send you a copy of this relevant book as our thanks for your gift of any amount to support Focal Point. 
Thank you for investing in this work so others may know the truth of the gospel message. Request How to Eat Your Bible when you go to focalpointradio.org. You can also donate and request the book by calling us at 888-320-5885. If you'd rather send your gift by mail, write to Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. Or maybe you're ready to take your support to the next level by becoming a Focal Point Partner. Monthly support from our faithful friends has been absolutely essential during these unpredictable times, providing a reliable source of income so we can continue to bring you and so many others this daily program. Join the team today at focalpointradio.org. Another way to support us is to tell us how you listen to the program. We'll thank you with a free Bible Timeline pamphlet. Simply call 888-320-5885. Well, I'm Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us again Tuesday as we learn to let go of convenient sins, right here on Focal Point. Hey there, Pastor Mike here. We're almost out of time, but before we go, I want to personally invite you to contact us here. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Head on over to focalpointradio.org and click the contact page or send me a note on Facebook, facebook.com slash Pastor Mike or twitter.com slash Pastor Mike. Can't wait to hear from you. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.